Rolling Dice and Taking Names is sponsored by The Broken Token, creator of high-quality gaming accessories and storage solutions. Visit them online at thebrokentoken.com. Hey, y'all. It's time for Rolling Dice and Taking Names. You asked for it, you got it. The guys review Vast, your number one pick to be reviewed, plus the new Imperial Settlers faction, Aztecs. Justin Jacobson, president of Restoration Games, stops by for a famous Marty and Tony interview. You just heard that theme music. That means it could be only one thing. It's time for another episode of Rolling Dice and Taking Names. This is episode 115. My name is Marty. And this is Tony. And the name of this episode is Listen Like Thieves. Yes, it is. And a great in excess song. Now, Marty. Yes, sir. Listen like these. So we're sitting here and I'm digging through all this. I'm thinking, we've got two topics on here that definitely apply to this song tonight. Tony, I am looking at a whole range of topics and nothing's jumping out at me. So, oh, wait a minute. Yes. No. Yes. One of them <laughs> should obviously win because thanks to all those people who went out and voted in our poll that we posted from our last episode asking, hey, what game would you like us to review next? The number one game so far on that poll was Vast. Tony and I got a copy and we decided this is going to be the first game that we review and we're going to do it in this episode. And it just so happens that one of the characters you can play in that game is a thief. There you go. So there's one. What's number two? Oh, I have to keep searching. No, you don't have to surf. Oh, no. Oh, my gosh. I am such an idiot because also on this episode, we're going to be interviewing Justin Jacobson, who is the president of Restoration Games, who happens to have a Kickstarter going on right now for Stop Thief. There's the other one. Now, people have heard us talk about Stop Thief and... They've got funded and all, so think of it like this. We're just bringing Justin on to actually get into the restoration games. What was the brains behind this? How did they come up with this? And why haven't they, and this will be asked, licensed Thunder Road yet? Yes, that will be one of the probing questions when Justin stops by. I will be quizzing him on that, and until I get a satisfactory answer, people— I will not let it die. Well, good, because I'm, there's a lot of questions I want to ask to some of the background, and we'll be getting with Justin a little bit later to talk about that. But Tony, uh, I don't know if you read or saw, because I know you don't keep up with the social media a lot, but did you know that Gamma just happened a couple of weeks ago in Las Vegas? I did see that Gamma, because some people were posting, hey, my flight's landed in Las Vegas. Yay, I'm at Gamma. Yay. What did I miss? For me, the things that stuck out, well, number one, a big piece of news. Did you hear about Eric Lang signing on as a in a full-time position with CMON? Yeah, I saw that. It came across the ICV2 website, and I was like, whoa, what's this? And then, then that got trumped by the fire and ice thing. So I was just like, their announcement about fire and ice, and I was like, okay, uh, Eric Lang, yeah, whatever. Okay, Fire and Ice, I'm interested now. What do you mean, whatever? This guy has been a freelance designer for many years, making games for a whole lot of different companies. And this company swoops in and says, you know what? We're going to bring you in. You're going to be the head of our development and design. And basically, he's only going to design for them now. That's that's a pretty big deal. That is a big deal. And, you know, so for the community, I'm thinking, what does that impact? Well, you know, CMON can crack the whip on him. He can't live that cushy life that he had anymore of, oh, I'll design a game when I get around to it. No, Simon will have deadlines on him. 
They'll be see like, let's go, let's go, let's go. So we should expect more from the great Eric Lang. And he's going to be moving to Singapore. And the fact that he's in Singapore means the next time we have him on the show, we're going to have a serious time difference we're going to have to work out. Won't we also have a day difference? Won't we have to do like some time travel here, international dateline? Doesn't that come into play? Maybe so. I have to get my TARDIS out and see if I can make this work or something. But anyway, that's exciting news for Eric. And you mentioned the other big news from CMON. They're introducing a new miniatures game called The Song of Fire and Ice, which is based on the Game of Thrones series as it's referenced in the HBO show. This kind of came out of nowhere. This is a miniatures, a true miniatures game that's tray-based, a lot like Rune Wars. And Tony, I don't think that it was probably by coincidence that they happened to announce it at the same time that Rune Wars is being released to stores. I agree. Now, when I first saw this, I was thinking of a typical Simon miniature type game. When I say miniatures game, I'm talking about a game with miniatures versus a miniatures game. And that kind of just put a little, you know, dampened the fire a little bit for me because I don't, you know, miniature games, I love when we dabbled with them. I'm not sure that it's something that I want to step back into, you know? I totally understand. But don't worry, when I back the Kickstarter this fall, it's a two-player set, so you'll be able to play with me. Oh, excellent. See, I'm good. I've got Rising Sun, which I don't know where it is on the millions of dollars and what else you can get now going on. I expect, you know, great things from this Fire and Ice that you will be picking up. I like this. I like how this, you know, symbiosis, is a symbiosis that works where, you know, one benefits from the other. Oh, but except that I've been saying it wrong. It's Ice and Fire, which is which is odd. It's Song of Ice and Fire, but don't people typically say Fire and Ice? I mean, isn't there a song by Pat Benatar, Fire yes. and Ice? Yeah. yeah so. so, yeah, it will always be Fire and Ice to me. And I'll, and plus, uh, you when you and I were in college, there used to be two players, and they were called Fire and Ice. So I'm used to putting the fire before the ice, but I believe it's Song of Ice and Fire. But yes, by the way, oh, Rising Sun, I don't know if you saw this, they now include, or not include, but you can have an add-on for a neoprene mat. You know that really nice mat Mari Nostrum has, the really large mat mm-hmm, that, we, mm-hmm. that we covet that we saw at the game store last week? Oh, yeah. They're doing the same thing for Rising Sun. I'm not going to miss this one. I'm dropping 30 bucks and getting that neoprene mat. Well, you go right ahead. You go ahead and drop the 30 because I'm going to tell you something. Now, we ranted a little bit about this on Kickstarter last time. Once again, I mean, there are some other things that are hitting. I, I'm digging through Kickstarter. I told myself, don't go there. Stop it. Don't don't click on the hyperlink. Don't click. And by accident, my mouse hovered over the link on, in my favorites bar. And by accident, my finger pushed the button. And up pops Kickstarter again. I don't know why, but it does. Okay, it's also one of the few sites I can get to at work. But anyway, I'm like, oh my gosh. And and you've told me about this. There is a Kickstarter called Castle Dukes. And I'm just like, oh my goodness. If you like Santorini, here is a Kickstarter. This looked really cool where you're building a castle. I'm like, this is, this is wild. I did see something like this, like a 3D type board, right? Yeah, it's a 3D board, and you're building up, and you're adding rooms. And I'm just like, I don't need to see this. I mean, who's got the best castle in the line? This is like taking the Mad, was it Mad King Ludwig or whatever? Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, the castles of Mad King Ludwig. But now you're you're building it up, and I'm just like, holy cow! See, there's something that I do not need to add to the collection, but it's calling to me. I just don't understand this. And then on top of that, you know what else is out there? And you you even knew about this. I was like, you got to be kidding me. 
What's that? It's the Cookbook RPG. That's right. Okay, so these are from the same people that makes the Adventure Sense. And I had talked about these before. It's these uh, like plastic pellets that have certain smells that you can use during RPG games. This is from them, correct? Yeah. And I'm sitting there going, oh, I do not need to know this. I do not need for this to be another thing that I want to back. But it is so neat. You what can- is it? Well, it's not a game. Uh-huh. It is called Cooking with Dice, a classic RPG with a delicious twist. Now, you are a chef who's trying to enhance his capabilities in the kitchen. Now, we all need to do that, Marty. We all need to raise our game in the kitchen as we cook. Oh, I totally agree with that. Is there any, like, grilling tips? I don't know, but maybe. But I, what's Okay, so for instance, you've got to cook without using flame. And they talk about cooking with acids and developing these various things. You'll get some recipes in this book. But what's really neat is they've got they've got this little page. So I'll definitely have a link in our show notes. But it shows how, you know, you use various items when you roll dice and it'll tell you roll 1D12 for the vegetables. And you come up with meal. It's, it's really innovative. I can't, I haven't dug really hard into it, but I, I'm going to be honest with you. I think this is going to be in a, 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 a back for me just just because it is so cool looking. It's it's different, and I love different when they come out with using the board game or or things that we enjoy in a different type of setting. Okay, Tony, that does sound really cool. When does the Kickstarter end? It ends on April thirteenth, a couple of days before tax day. So <laughs> so you've got time. So be thinking about those refunds, and you can put a little money. Put about I mean fifteen dollars gets you the electronic. I mean who needs paperbacks? Save a tree. Just go electronic. Fifteen dollars. That's all you need. Now, the other night, Rebecca came home for spring break. Has Adam been home yet? Uh, yes, he was home a couple weeks ago. All right. Well, she came home. And she goes, Daddy, it's time to play a game. I said, yes. What? That's my baby. I know, what? What's up with that? I can, my baby girl wants to play a game. Adam just wants to come home and sleep. Well, I caught her on a waking cycle. Okay. <laughs> Those college cycles all over the place. So good job. So awesome. So you probably hopefully played Star Trek Ascendancy, correct? Well, that's right. Because it was Donna, Rebecca, and I, all three of us. Yeah, no way. That's oh. four and a half hours. I would have had their attention span gone in no time. Anyway, I said, she goes, I want to play something new. I don't want to play something we've always played. And I said, okay, fine. I'll grab one of my new games. So I brought out Evolution Climate. And I was like, yay, I finally get to teach them Evolution Climate. Now, I love Evolution by North Star Games. I love that game. Why have you never taught me that game? Um, I don't know. Probably because it's not good to player. We just need to sit down with a group. I thought we played well last year with an international tabletop with uh, me and Mark. No, no. Tony, you're out there with other people I see playing other games with other people. And I don't know if I can trust you anymore. I, I don't want to hear it. You're always at the game store every Thursday night. But anyway, let's go back to the story. So I break out Evolution Climate. We had a blast and Rebecca ate our lunch. Okay, she ate every one of our species. She was on fire. She dropped a carnivore on us and she was chomping at the bit. She was, I'm like, stop making the noise. She was actually making the noise? She was going, yum, 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 yum. I'm like, would you stop? This isn't fun. She had a carnivore with fat tissue. I don't know if she was playing the cards right. I was at the end. I was, to quote a secret cabal, the secret cabal term. I was <laughs> butt hurt. I was just like, this is ridiculous. I don't think that game will ever see the light of day. 
<laughs> Time to put it on the for sale shelf. Uh, yeah. So anyway, did you get to play anything? Well, yeah, dude. We got to sit there with each other and play several games together last time we got together. Because when we got together to play Vast, we got to play a game that we just got from TMG. Tony, it's one of your favorite genres now. Roll and write. I thought you were going to start calling it write and roll. Not that that would make any sense. <laughs> well, it doesn't make any sense, but it sounds like rock and roll. And that sounds cooler than roll and write. But okay. I granted you do roll before you write. But yeah, we got to check out Balloon Pop. Right. And that game, another, like you said, roll and write, roll some dice, trying to score as many points as you can. Imagine that. And without your balloons bursting. Your other people are not acting with the dice, right? You are you're self-contained. You roll your dice and you are self-contained in your scoring and then the dice move on. I didn't think that game drug. Did you think it with, with that interaction instead of like Quinto or um, Not Mall or Quicks, you know, the the interaction? It, I didn't think it drug. What did you think? Well, so what you mean by that, I think what you're saying is with those other games, when you roll the dice that other people can take those dice that were rolled and do something with them. But in right. this game, you can't. The dice that you roll only affect you. And the idea is that there's uh, different color balloons and different symbols. You roll dice and you try to basically mark off symbols on your uh, on your page and the higher they are the more points you get but if you get too many in a column the balloon pops and when that happens basically your score would drop at that point because the very top score is a little bit lower but when it pops that ends around and everybody gets to score their balloons so that's what you're gauging is who's going to pop their balloon next how quickly can i get up there because you don't want to be the one with your balloon popped Nope, that's exactly right. So early on, there wasn't a lot of interaction, right? Basically, we were playing with, what, four people. And uh, so when somebody's rolling, we weren't paying attention. But as the game went on, and each of us were getting close to the point of popping a balloon, then it got intense because it's like if my balloon was getting ready to pop, next time I rolled, I kept pulling for other people's balloon to pop uh, so we could score real quick. And now keep in mind, people, you roll three dice. If you don't like any of them, you may re-roll them, but you have to pick up one more die. And if you roll those and you don't like any of those, you may pick those up and you get to grab one more die. There's only five dice and you can roll those and then you're stuck with what you roll. So you got to balance that as well. Like one time I, I played it this weekend with my mom and my aunt and my uncle and Donna and Rebecca, and we were doing that and I'm sitting there going, okay, I only need this. I, I don't need any more reds. Please, no more reds. Picked up and rolled. Bam, five red balloons. Not 99, but five. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, I really kind of, I like that game. It does move fast. It's easy to teach. Uh, that's by uh, TMG. I don't know if it's in stores yet, but it'll, it will be coming soon. Yeah, but uh, now Donna said it's not one of her faves. Mm. Okay, of my rolling rights. Number one is will always be Quinto. She loves Quinto to death. Right and roll. Right and roll. Right and roll, baby. Also, after our game of Vast, which we'll be talking about later, I was uh, scooping up my stuff. I was ready to get out of there. And our buddy Mark said, hey, let's play one more game. I was like, I got to go. And he pulled out uh, Karubas from Haba. Nate, not Mark. Mark, don't give credit to Mark. (laughs) I'm sorry, Nate pull out uh, Karuba. And I thought, well, I need to go, but you guys are going to sit and play. And I said, how long does it take? And he said, uh, uh, 20, 30 minutes. I'm like, that's okay, fine. So I'll sit down and play. It's a Haba game. And I know in my mind, I keep thinking Haba means more of a kid's game, like Rhino Hero or something like that. And so I had not played this game. I'd heard it got, got some awards, but I walked away from that game Really impressed with it to the point when I came home, I went straight to the funagain.com website and put it on my wish list. 
So that's going to be one of those games that can put us over our $100 when we do our order for free shipping. Is that what I'm hearing? Uh, uh, Yes. It's so simple. You have a a grid and you have a person that is, uh, somebody will say, you know, pick a place to start your person and a castle on the other end of the board. And then everybody else copies you. Then each person playing does the exact same thing. So everybody has the board set the exact same way. Your tiles are paths. Uh, one person randomly draws a tile. Everybody has the same tiles. You put it on the board. You try to get the person from the starting point to a castle and picking up crystals in between for points. Person with the most points wins. But it is so simple, so easy to pick up. I love the fact that it's random every time because people have different starting places every time. Everybody starts with the same board. Everybody has the exact same tiles, but everybody does it differently. It's one of those games that I think I can teach my parents. It's fast to play. I was just really impressed by it. Uh, yeah, and of course, with based on the bingo of the tiles and how they come up, I mean, everybody's a ton of replayability. I enjoy it each time I play, so I can't wait for you to get it so I can borrow it off your shelf. The last big game that we, you and I played is we had talked about we want to do an episode where we cover Star Wars Rebellion and War of the Ring. You had not played Star Wars Rebellion, so I said, you know what? I need to get you into this. So I we got it out to a table. You actually went and did a demo event uh, for Aztecs, which we'll be talking about later too. And after we did our demo, it's like, all right, let's set this thing up. So we set up this beast. And I started teaching you the rules and we didn't get to play a, a full game or, or, you know, play it correctly and everything like that. But at least you got the feel of it as we, because we played it. We had a lot of questions about the rules. We now know enough about the game that you and I are going to sit down, play this thing, and then we're going to review it. Yes, we are. And it's too bad that we didn't play a full game because I would have easily won. Oh, easily. Easily. You found my base really quickly and you, and you would have taken me out. But anyway, it was just the idea of getting the mechanics down so that, We've gone through our learning game. Now we'll sit down and play it for real. And the first gut feel of us going through the learning game, I'm like, okay, I can see where this is. This is a solid two-player game. I'm going to enjoy it. But you know what's going to irritate me? And this is just a gut feel is the luck of pulling the right probe cards. I mean, process of elimination. I know there's a lot to it that I haven't seen, but that gut is sitting there saying, yeah, is this going to be just pure luck on finding the base as the Empire? No, is, uh... no, 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 no. It's not luck at all. It's just as as you go along and find out where the base is not, then you start kind of uh, paring down where I potentially could be. And then at that point, the pressure, I was playing as the Rebel, you were playing as the uh, uh, Empire. The pressure comes to me is to try to divert you from that base. And that's the bluffing part. Why is he amassing all of his units over here? The base must be near there. And my goal is try to keep you away from where the base really is. So it's a really intense game. When you play the full game, it's a lot less luck based than, than probably what you think right now. Okay. And I I can't wait to give that a try. That that should be fun. And hopefully you'll have better dice rolls. Oh my gosh. You took pictures of that, didn't you? Oh yeah. Everybody loved that. They thought that was funny where I, let's see, you rolled like a four and I rolled a five. I mean, that occurred a couple of times and I'm just like, Hey, it's the way it goes. You got dice in this game. Guess what? Deal. Yeah. Except for a few times the dice have blanks on them and there are a couple of rolls. I was like, you had no blanks at all. And I had a, a good roll and you had a better roll. It was, uh, yeah, those dice, man. Mm. But like you mentioned, we got to play rebellion cause I had just finished up an envoy herald demo of Aztecs, that expansion to Imperial Settlers. I was demoing it. We got to play it and we've got our first impression. So let's talk about it for a while. Five minute initiative begins in three, two, 
one. That's right. Imperial Settlers has a new faction that you can get. Marty and I got to play it. And let me tell you now, this adds a lot to the game, Marty. It really does. And for people who have never played Imperial Settlers before, uh, maybe you want to go check out and see how it's played. Rodney does have videos on this on his Watch It Play channel. So go. If you don't know how to play, once you leave right now and go watch those real quick. And now that those people are gone, they should be ashamed for themselves for never playing Imperial Settlers because this new faction adds a lot to this base game, and I really enjoy it. Oh, yeah. Now, I'm, I've got to admit, though, 51st State was on the top of mind to play over Imperial, but now with Aztecs, they're neck and neck, Marty. I'm, I'd, either one. It'd be tough to choose. Yeah, because they basically what they do is they add this brand new mechanic, a prayer mechanic, and these new tokens called Blessing Tokens, and they work in concert together to have some really cool abilities on the cards. Yeah, and, and the way this works, guys and gals, is it's real simple. You are praying for resources. When you do this mechanism of prey on a card, you will be drawing cards from the common deck. And if the colors match from whatever the card says, or if you announce a color, because it may say announce a color, you will gain those resources. So if you say announce pink, you suddenly get the human workers with it. So that's really the prayer mechanism. It's real simple. You're drawing cards. Basically, it's a pray and hope that you get the resources you need and the colors that you get are based on the color of the buildings that are in that common deck. So Tony, like you said, it may say pray five and for every say gray, brown and purple that's in there, you're going to get stone wood or or people so you draw five cards and you calculate the result and you get the you gain those resources but tony there's also these things called blessing tokens which can either enhance what you just drew or you can actually just use the blessing to gain resources right out yeah so if you don't want to play that random luck draw and you just want and let's say you have three red blessings you've accumulated three red blessings during that turn and you can say you can take the prayer action. You don't have to draw the cards and just take three food. That's the red token. You can just immediately take those and, and you're done. You don't have to risk it. Or like Marty said, they can enhance. If you do pray and pull the cards and let's say you do pull a red, you not only get that red for the card you pull, but you also get the blessings added to it. So it's it really depends on when you want to push your luck. And I think for me, Marty, the announce the color is when you really may want to think hard about whether or not you want to push your luck by drawing the cards. Yeah, that's exactly right. Now, I did happen to have this one card where you could like put some uh, cards underneath a uh, another building to potentially use for future prayer actions. That was really kind of cool because what that means is with this prayer actions, you could do some really cool combos where you set up maybe ways to get blessings, set up ways to generate additional resources. There's resources going to make your buildings, which is what I had to do because in our game, I got stuck out of not being able to get production cards. So I had to rely on those prayers to get buildings built. And, and now the prayer mechanism is not just for the Aztecs. As with the factions and, uh, you know, from the other expansions, you will also have the ability to add it to the Atlanteans or the Romans or the Egyptians. They all have cards that you can go in when you build those specific faction decks. Now for me, Marty, this expansion for Imperial Settlers, I've already said it, adds a lot to the game. I like this expansion. It, it, it definitely makes me want to bring Imperial Settlers back out. Yeah, I probably like this one actually a little bit more than Atlanteans. I just like that mechanic of the prayer. I like how it works. And I know we joke about this all the time. 
We joke about this about the hard to read cards, but Tony, you and I did have a problem because there is an icon on the cards for the blessing tokens. And we could not tell what the color of that was because it was kind of small. And you thought, well, you guys just have bad eyes. Well, we actually were playing with a young lady who had very good eyes, who was also having problems telling whether, is this orange? Is it pink? We determined it was orange because the orange blessing token applies to any type of blessing mm-hmm. or or no blessings at all. We figured that out, but we did kind of struggle with that. Yeah, and that's that's okay. We expect that. I mean, we even had two magnifying glasses out, but that's all right. We can deal with that. <laughs> so for me, I don't think I really had, other aside from that, there were no other cons. I like what it does, what it adds to the game. I enjoy... I, I think Aztec will be a fun faction to play in this game. And just a word of caution, the rule book does say you get five tokens per color, but you only get four. So be conscious of that. Tony, I like this faction too. Ready to play again. Aztecs in your store soon. Go check it out. Five minute initiative is complete. You just heard it, Aztecs. It's in the store. Definitely go give it a look. Portal Games. They've got First Martian. Hopefully, we can't wait till June to get that started. And if you are can't wait, well, just go back in time and get some Robinson Crusoe and have yourself a sunny day at the beach. Portalgames.pl. One of the surprise hits of 2016 was a Kickstarter game from Leader Games called Vast the Crystal Caverns. This is a up to five player game designed by Patrick Leader and David Somerville that was a huge hit at Gen Con. Tony, I know you didn't get to go to Gen Con. That's right. But when I was there, people kept talking about, you've got to go check out this booth, Leader Games, and this game called Vast. And I went over there, and those guys started with a huge stack of games, and by the time the con was over the game was gone you know that's one of those kickstarters that catches everybody off surprise it's a blindside you know that maybe unfortunately we um did we do blindside squirrelies this year yes we did but we hadn't gotten to play leader games because we hadn't found the time to teach ourselves because what is unique is that you've got five different functioning games here <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, you've got yeah up to five totally different asymmetric characters that you're playing in this game. And when we talk about asymmetric, what we mean is is that each person has different actions or different goals that they're going to take on the turn. So everybody's playing totally different. Now, you and I typically love asymmetric games. Love our asymmetric. It's always you know um, something different on my side, something different on your side. We're trying to build off of that and trying to figure out, hey, how's he going to play his side? And, and it's kind of needs. I mean, we love Netrunner and anything that brings that type of feel to it, we're going to enjoy as well. Thank you to about our first game, Lord of the Rings CCG. Yes. What do we love about that? Because even though you played as both sides on your turn, you're playing as an opposite side from the other person. And you have two different actions. Even the last year's little two-player game that we like, Blood of an Englishman. Yeah. We loved it because it was a, a asymmetric gameplay. Yeah, because you got to be thinking both sides of it. It's not everybody doing the same thing. So, But, you know, for this game, how did they get this thing to work? It, how can you make it this good while you have all this going on? I mean, what's the overall objective? You've got to do something with your character, and they're all different, <laughs> aren't they? Five different, I'm just going to call them characters, even though one of them is a cave, which is a non-animate object. <laughs> Whoever came up with the idea of playing as a cave was absolutely brilliant. And in fact, that's what drew a lot of people to this mm-hmm. game. It's like, wait a minute, you could play as 
a cave. Um, so anyway, so every uh, character or every player in here is going to have a totally different goal depending on, on which character you're playing. And not only different goals. And what goal, characters are on the board. Yes, that's true. That's true because uh, there will be times when you will not have five players you could have only three mm-hmm. and at that case you could have any three combinations of characters out on the board and the goal depends on who else is out there right it just so happened in the games that we played it was four player yep. so we never got to play with a thief right uh because the you need five players to play with a thief but and, we, and everybody wants to be the cave i mean that's the beautiful <laughs> thing uh, uh, you want to be the thief no i won't be the cave well we haven't well it doesn't matter we're going somebody's got to be the cave because i won't try to crush you that's, that's all there is to it you know? I, I think it's uh, maybe that's why the person who taught it to us uh, which is nate our good buddy here who teaches us so many games said you know by the way the cave the cave is probably the most complicated so i'm gonna play that tony i think you just want to play it because i think it's the best one. Oh yeah you're like the game master when you're the cave yes and when when nate said i the gate the cave is like the game master that immediately put an impression to my mind of Okay, well, then I assume you're going to kind of be running the game and controlling it. And that's kind of exactly what the cave does. Remember, we're jumping too far into this. The setup of this game is there's a cave, right? There's a cave. And there are characters inside of this cave. There's a dragon that is asleep. Yep. There are goblins inside this cave. Could be. There is a knight in there. Sorry, knight. And and there's also a thief in there trying to steal the treasure. And, and like you said, now, I've, I enjoyed, I got to play the dragon, and he was my favorite by far. Because, I mean, he is trying to wake up. He is slothing around the cave. He's trying to get out of the stinking cave. He's lost down there. He's not trying to eat people, or he does, to help him out, but to wake up because he's got to get his energy. But for the dragon, his whole thing is, I want to get out of there. I got power. I know I do, but I need to get out of this cave. And, you know, so the cave's trying to regain, keep his treasures, right? Sure. And the knight is trying to go in there and slay the dragon. Sorry. Like in typical fantasy form. Yeah. You got these treasures. The thieves going in there trying to steal the treasures. Get them out of the cave. Meanwhile, the goblin's like, knight, you got to stay out of my cave. So he's trying to kill the knight. Mm -hmm. And the cave is basically, like you said, it's like, nope. Uh, basically, I'm going to crush everybody that enters my area. And he, he does that, keeps his crystals, right? Doesn't he have to get so many crystals? I believe that's and, and then what? Yeah, this is really cool. The cave starts out really small. And on the cave's turn, he's putting out tiles, which expands the cave. The tiles are face down so you could explore and to make them lit. But there's only one that can explore. And that's the knight. That's right. Yeah. The the in fact the goblins actually want to move through the unlit areas or the unexposed tiles because they'll take damage if they go into the light. Right. Once the cave's fully expanded, then he's actually removing tiles trying to collapse the cave. Mm-hmm. There are some tiles that have crystals on them. If he collapses all those crystals, which is the support of the cave, the cave collapses and he wins the game. Game over for the rest of us. Now, if the dragon's not in the cave, let's say you happen, the knight and the goblins happen to come onto a cave and there's no dragon. Yep. Then they've got their own things. The knight just has to kill. They've got to blow up the crystals. That's right. Wait a minute. That doesn't make sense to me. If the crystals are supporting the cave and they blow up the crystals, doesn't the cave blow up itself? So... Basically, you just destroyed the theme of this game. I hope not. Well, they gotta have something. <laughs> no. so, so, and so, the so. goblins are the same way. They also want to destroy crystals. So that's what's cool about this yeah. too. If you don't have all the characters, there's different winning conditions depending on the combinations. And most of them, it's like if the if the dragon's not involved, it's usually 
getting rid of crystals or destroying crystals, except for the uh, the thief is all about he's trying to get six treasures and get them out of the cave. Right. But not only do they have different goals, each one plays totally different. For example, the knight is very fantasy based. He's trying to get XP like in a in a typical RPG. And as he gets XP, he unlocks cubes and these cubes can be used to increase his movement, increase his strength or activate weapons because as he finds treasure, he gets some weapons that he can use to help fight the dragon. Meanwhile, the goblins are all about there are these different tribes of goblins that are kind of hiding out in the, in the cave. And on their turn, they get these secret objectives. Maybe they can lay a trap or something like that. And they can pop up out of the ground and they can attack somebody. Meanwhile, the dragon is like a a resource collection. They get to draw cards. Mm -hmm. They try to match icons on these cards to activate abilities. And I think uh, the dragon probably had like, what, 12 abilities? He had a lot of abilities. He had a bunch of power. He was a dragon. He's going to be dragon. And then over time, you you can increase the number of cards that you draw to get more combinations. Right, by eating goblins, mm-hmm. or better yet, you know, in, uh, opening up some of the cave with his die rolls. It's really neat, guys and gals, on how this just plays out and how that if certain things are missing, you have different objectives. So we're talking uh, replayability is huge in this game yeah. because the, the cave is always different. Yeah, and, and talking about the cave, the cave was totally different. The cave has, has a draw bag. Mm-hmm. So instead of cards, he's drawing tiles with icons on them that he can save from turn to turn. And then on his turn, he can combine the tiles to activate abilities on his board. And then the thief is about uh, taking uh, action cubes and allocating to the, them to his board and changing the stats available on him. Each turn, he can increase his movement or his stealth or his thievery, which is the number of cubes he can do, which is probably the thing that scared me the most about this game, Tony, is the fact that there are so many different roles is teaching or learning this game's got to be a bear. Well, I think a lot of people will shy away from that. You know, mm-hmm. that, hey, I, and when I teach somebody new about this, but if you really try to boil it down to the McCree simplicity of the game, you're going to be taking actions and you're moving. Your objectives are this. Now, there's a lot of interaction with from cards and other players and things like that. It's really not that bad. Go ahead and just dive into it. The, the sheets, the instructions are really well written. Mm-hmm. Easy for, I mean, you you and I were sitting there and in our very first game, we were sitting there and, and I was, while um, Nate was explaining it to us, because, you know, we could have watched, you know, videos on it, but I'll be honest with you. It wasn't that hard. He was explaining something to uh, Mark who was sitting there going over what he was getting ready to mm-hmm. do, who was the knight. And it was just like, I could read that sheet and it was no problem. Right. I understood exactly what the dragon had to do. It was ve- it's actually very simple. Everybody could take 10 minutes, read their sheet, and they're ready to go. Yeah, that's really true. And then after we're done, we can just get up, rotate another position, and play a totally different character and probably jump into it quicker. Because if you pay attention to what everybody's doing and you watch what they're doing in the game, you pick up on it. And, and hats off to Leader Games for including individual sheets yeah. for each character. So you got a reference sheet right in front of you. They're all color-coded. I love this. The dragons, cards, and tokens are all red. The caves, cards, tokens, everything are all purple. So everything's color-coded. So when you look on the board, you can kind of see what color token is associated with each character. Now, I want to jump back to the cave. So we talked about the cave being the GM. And as we played the game, we saw exactly how that happened, especially in one of the games that we played where I was the uh, goblins, and I was about ready to kill off the knight. Right. I was this close to it. 
the cave comes in and goes, oh, I have a card now where I'm going to heal up the night. It's like, why are you doing that? And he said, because I don't want you to win. I want me to win. And then later on, when he was getting ready to, the knight was getting ready to slay, when you were playing the dragon, the knight was getting ready to slay you, he barricaded the dragon. He barricaded you away from the knight so he couldn't get to you uh, to keep him from dying. So in the in that case, he was kind of like the GM. He was controlling the game. The cave is in for the long game. He's got to get all the tiles out and collapse so he can affect other people on the board more so than maybe other people can because he wants the game to go as long as possible. He kept me from winning. And in that game, he kept Mark from winning. And ultimately, you won. So I didn't like how that really turned out at all. I know, but that was because of his placement of a crystal. That enabled my dragon to wake up, and he was real close to the exit. Now, I'll admit, the cave has a lot of GMing, but the other players have GMing too. Hmm. Because it's important to know that if the knight is being hunted by the goblins, he must be aware of what they're doing, right? Sure. Because they're, they're out to kill him. And the dragon is aware of the knight. So if you see the knight running towards the dragon, hmm. get near his end game, you as the goblins, you need to do something to kind of oh, put, put a halt to him. Yep. The dragon, on the other hand, he has the ability to push people all over the cave. And so you've got to look at, okay, wait a minute. The goblins are fixing to hurt the knight. Well, I need to do something to the goblins to get them moved out. Oh, wait, that knight is getting way too much grit, his XP. Well, I love that thematic part of it, the grit. Because <laughs> yeah. he's exploring the cave. He's building his grit. and it, Or he's getting grit on his shoes. I don't know. Either way, I bet you that cave was dry. <laughs> oh, Lord. Are you referencing that again from the last episode? Hey, tying it all together, it's, guys. It's, it's, well, it's, it's a not dry cave. It's a, it's a note. <laughs> it's a, it's a note. <laughs> Thank you. Um, anyway, so for from that standpoint, the dragon's got to be, well, he's got to say, well, whoa, 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 goblins, knights, y'all need to split apart. Right. And things like that. Or I need to decrease the population of the goblins with right. one of his thing so that you can't go hurt the knight. Yep. And then I've got to be watching out so that the knight can't freely move about the cave. And the cave's sitting there thinking, oh, wait, got to heal the knight. Mm-hmm. I need to place the goblin tokens near somebody or far away so that they're not, you know, maybe near where the dragon is so that the goblins are protecting the dragon because they're hunting down the knight and they've got to move more, which keeps the knight away from the dragon. Meanwhile, the long game's kicking in and hey, here we go. Time to collapse the cave. <laughs> so probably nobody followed all that that you just said, but I think it just comes Replay. to the... <laughs> Rewind. Rewind. Listen again. Mm-hmm. I, I think the whole point you're getting at is you just can't focus on yourself or your goal you do have to see what other people are doing Mm -hmm. and you may have to affect other people because you're trying to work towards your goal and somebody may be hindering you from that so in that there is some interaction between you and the other players the reason why i bring that out is because when i first finished that game i was thinking man the cave was all about the gming i started thinking about i said no we are all part of the gming we have to play because one of my negatives to the game is the downtime between yes. turns because you really can't think ahead because you've got to see where everybody is mm-hmm. going or the actions they're taking. And you can't just suddenly be, you know, ready to play your, play your turn. I can't suddenly as the dragon play the cards or the knife move about. So you've really got to wait out till it gets to your turn. And that's probably one of the big negatives I have for this game. Yeah. And which isn't a, a very huge negative. I mean, I think if you play with people with some AP, 
I think there could be some AP issues uh, trying to decide for them what to do. Uh, there were times during the game people got up, went to the bathroom and stuff as other people were taking the turns, and they really didn't miss anything. Didn't miss a thing. Uh, so, yeah, there there is a little bit of downtime, especially with the four-player, and five-player uh, probably be even more so. As far as there's not a lot of luck in the game, there is one die. Now, there, well, there's two. There's there, the thief and the dragon. Yeah, die. I'm sorry. There, there's there's a couple die, and sometimes you you roll a die and you you resolve the based on that die roll, uh, so you can get hurt or helped by uh, uh, some luck there. But everything else is pretty much strategy based, especially for the dragon or the uh, the set collection stuff, where you're just trying to get as many cards as you can in order to get as many options you can to do things. The the goblin has cards he can collect over time in order to do special abilities. So not a lot of luck stuff except for draw. All the cards and a couple dice rolls that's fine but that's okay i'm good with that right i'm okay with dice in a game yeah no no i know you are and we've we've had that discussion we've had, uh, yeah, that i think we, if we haven't we should <laughs> we should yeah. you know, later on because we just now, it. back to the cave and his yes. special thing i like the omen bag and i like how how you have to play certain you know the tiles that you draw and right things like that that was really cool the goblins you were playing when you were playing the goblins i didn't get to play those yet but to me the flipping over the war card to build your population and then your population you have overpopulated yours. I think of all of them. I think the goblins to me seem to be the most difficult to grasp. Once playing it, it really wasn't that bad. There is this concept of overpopulation. There's three tribes of goblins and you can't have more than four of each one. And if you overpopulate, you have to scatter some goblins. Thematically, it's kind of cool. You have to scatter up some goblins uh, because they, they've overpopulated. You have to kill some off. When you attack, your population automatically drops. So it's always a constant flux of population going up, popping out of the ground, attacking, rebuilding the population. So, yeah, I guess looking at it, probably it is one of the more difficult things to learn. And I guess as far as you know, potential cons of the game, I think just because there are so many different roles... It will take some time the first time you sit down to play. Like you said, Tony, learning each one is not that difficult. No. Mm -hmm. But in a game, you're going to have to sit there and listen or help every single roll. So that's probably five to ten minutes per roll, probably. Uh, yeah, I can see that. I can see where that would happen. Yeah. So five to ten minutes. So if you're playing a four-player game, 20 to 30 minutes just to learn the game. Right. Or find your favorite and always do that. Yeah, but I don't think that'd be any fun because one of my pros is replayability mm -hmm. i can now play this game multiple times with multiple characters and i can play i can play the goblins i play that the most i can play that multiple times and get better at it each time right but eventually i want to play something else and get better at it mm -hmm. so the replayability this game is is very high very very high because it's totally asymmetric yeah and you're always having you can always learn something a different strategy and how the cave puts out the tiles or how it's done if you leave the cave out and how that impacts the game. I agree with you. Now, we said that we could get up and go potty and things like that during the game, and you could let that go from the standpoint. But for me, I think what you've got to do is, you got to remember, one of, my, one of my pros is there's a lot of interaction. There was a time in one game where you decided that you were going to make me get rid of my cards. And me in the cave went hissy on you. We were like, why are you doing that? Why are you getting rid of my cards? Then I can't move. And then the knight's going to come over here and put a big slap on me. And I think if you're not paying attention, that's where that GMing comes in, mm -hmm. where everybody has to. You've got to really do that. Uh, there were some times, yeah, we, you could get up and go away. But I do think there's a lot of interaction to the game of talking and trying to take shots at one another to convince them to do another move. So you're saying is if there's somebody who's really not playing up to the skill of others, they can kind of hurt the game. I believe so. I, I, I agree. If somebody's really not watching what's going on, they could, they could accidentally king make 
Without, without not realizing they're even doing it. And, and, and if it hadn't been for the cave, the knight would have easily won when the first time I played the dragon because I forgot a very simple thing. The dragon could go in the dark. No, the goblins would have easily won. Well, I was two health away from killing him. But before that, he had he had gotten me down to two health real quick. That's true. And I had not, and I forgot that the dragon could go into the dark. Well, luckily the cave came to my rescue and barricaded it because if he hadn't, there would have been a very quick game. And that, to me, is one of the things you got to watch out for. This game can be over really quick if there is a player who mm. does not embrace the challenge that he needs. 100% agree because the time on this game is 60 to 90 minutes. I think with good players, it's going to go more than 90. Because right. I think you'll have that that push and pull, as you said, of trying to make the game go longer to make sure you win. I think if you play with some players that are not really good, it could be over in 60 but I think with really good players, it's going to go well beyond that. That, that. That's one of the things. But overall, would I play this again? No doubt. I would love to play this as many times as I can. Would I buy this game based on my gaming group? No. There is no way that I could see me teaching my wife and our and our my regular gaming people outside of you and you know my my neighbors and our friends. I, the, I don't. I don't think this is a game for them. I think there is people who enjoy simple card games and things like this. They're they're not going to get this, even though the mechanics are incredibly simple. I drop this on the table. Forget it. Yeah, and again, it's because I think you would for new players. You'd have to sit through 20, 30 minutes of just instruction. The setup's really not hard. Uh, setting up everybody's player boards and stuff is well. It's just teaching it. A lot of strategy. I think that's the, that's the key. But then it's a strategy per whatever character you're playing. Mm -hmm. Because if we got up and swatched, swapped character seats, your strategy would just totally change. So there is a little bit of a learning curve of how to play uh, the characters. There's a learning curve for the strategy. Again, that's why the replayability is so high. You are absolutely right. I think you have to pick the right group to teach this to, as you said. Therefore, if you're not going to have it on your shelf, I will, because we do have that one right group to oh, yeah. play with and I want to be able to pull out this out at any time I was shocked when I heard about there was a game with going to be five totally asymmetric characters I thought there's no way they're going to pull this off I had my doubts even though people were freaking out at Gen Con last year everyone buying this game carrying it under their arm but you know what David Summerfield and Leader Games did it they pulled this off a five character totally asymmetric theme or game with a great theme that works really well. Oh, I, I couldn't agree with you more. The only issue that I have, and this is my jab at you. This is, is the only issue. You've had other issues. I've had other issues, but the only issue, but this is my jab at you. What? If only the iconography would have been bigger. You should have seen him, guys and gals, when we were trying to explain where to put the goblins. It would have been nice if oh. they had put it on the back of the tile where the goblins go. And somebody was, for some odd reason, could not match his, his wood pieces to the icons on the back of the tile. Uh, we don't know why. It has nothing to do with size. They're huge icons. I just kept forgetting <laughs> the rule. Each tribe has their own icon that they can only pop out of. So I kept putting them on the wrong matching icon multiple times. I'm sorry. I eventually learned how to play the goblins better. But yes, yeah, so we all we all screwed up in the game. We, we all had our moments of really you're being that silly. Me with the dragon not being able to hide. Why would you forget that? That's a very simple rule. That's vast. The Crystal Caverns from Leader Games. Was it worth all the craziness of everybody trying to pick it up last year at Gen Con? 
Yes, yeah. it really was. It, I had a great time with this game. I cannot wait to play it again. I want to get to five players. I want to see how the thief works. Big, All of them together. Yes. Yeah. Uh, big thumbs up from both me and Tony. Fantastic job. If you have not experienced this game, try to find somebody with a copy. Sit down. Take some time. Go through how to learn to play at least one character and have a great time. Go and check out the Broken Token site. They have some really exciting new stuff out there. They have the new Terraforming Mars organizer, along with acrylic hex tiles that can be used with Terraforming Mars. This includes ocean tiles, includes building tiles, but also there is a new insert for Seven Wonders Duel, so you can get that all blinged out and ready to go. So go check them out at thebrokentoken.com. so excited that we actually have a president joining us on the show tonight. Th this is unreal. Is it like a president of another country? Is it a... What, what well, is we've it? already alluded to it. Justin Jacobson is coming onto the show, and he's going to talk to us about Restoration Games. Now, for those of you who don't know, Justin's been in board gaming for a while. Matter of fact, he's got something that you and I have never gotten, an award. <laughs> and what was his award for? And in 2004, he got the shared pieces design competition from about.com for the game Gollum. Justin, welcome to the show, man. Thank you. I'm going to be disappointed if we don't drop some hell to the chief in the background when we... Uh... <laughs> oh, he'll run it. He'll run it. It's going right now, so enjoy it. So, Justin, first off, thank you so much for taking the time to join us here on Rolling Dice and Taking Names. And let, let's just get to the chase. Congrats on Stop Thief. That is awesome. I'm, I'm, I'm excited. That's, that's bringing back childhood. Uh, yeah, that was the idea. I'm, I'm excited, too. Um, it was kind of a kooky idea I had pretty much almost exactly about a year ago from around now. And uh, each step of the way, I've sort of been gratified to have it. people sort of be on board with it. I, first, when I approached Rob, and then, uh, you know, when we first announced at Gen Con last year, and then finally with the, the Kickstarter being as successful as it's been, it's been really gratifying. Now, when you mention Rob, you mean the designer, uh, Rob Davio. What, uh, what did he have, to, or what is Rob's role in Restoration Games? He is officially our chief restoration officer, or CRO, and basically he's uh, oversees That's a lot. all. Great name. <laughs> he oversees uh, sort of the design process and the the big picture as far as the games and stuff, uh, the games that we're going to do and how we're going to approach the redesign and things like that. Well, how'd you two meet? I mean, that's pretty wild. Uh, yeah, it's an interesting story. Uh, I, we actually met through his wife uh, probably about hmm, five years ago now, maybe. I uh, I am a lawyer by trade and I've been practicing for a number of years, but I also enjoy gaming. And so one of the things I used to do is uh, when I went to Gen Con every year, I would put on a legal seminar, basically an open Q&A. Um, and to be blunt about it, it let me write off the trip for the most part. Um, <laughs> so that was always nice. And yeah. Uh, one year, um, uh, Rob's wife, Lindsay, who's a lovely woman, uh, stopped by my Q&A and basically asked me some questions after the seminar. And this was right when he was getting ready to leave Hasbro. So Rob had been at Hasbro for a number of years and he was getting ready to, to leave. He had recently done Risk Legacy and he was wanted to know how he could sort of what he could do with that after he left. And so I always like tell people, um, I gave him some advice, let him know what he could do and I always tell people I take about like 1% credit for Pandemic Legacy. 
And um, so I, I sort of gave him some legal advice uh, over the years. I reviewed some contracts for him and things like that. And then, like I said, when I had this kooky idea, it was a sort of a perfect fit for Rob because that's a, a lot of what he did at Hasbro. And I approached him about it, and he said yes, eventually. So the idea is that Restoration Games came first, or the idea to do Stop Thief came first? Restoration Games came first, and I have to say that uh, my first thought was, and the reason why where the idea sprang from, was to do uh, Queen's Gambit. Ooh. I always thought... Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so I, I think it's a great game, and I, w- I just sort of had a, a brainstorm one day and basically said, the, the thing that people love about that game is not so much the Star Wars, uh, although that's cool, but plenty of people, in fact, particularly don't like Episode One. Um, but the game was so neat, and I thought you could essentially find a way to strip out the IP and redo the game. And I had this sort of big idea to do that. And, um, and in fact, I had approached Rob about doing specifically Queen's Gambit. And we, we got to talking about other games like that and things like that. And we ended up deciding to do some other stuff and not Queen's Gambit. And not the least of which because of when they essentially did a redesign with uh, Star Wars Rift that came out uh, a couple of years ago, last year. It's pretty neat that you started with that because we would all love to see a reamp of that. But because, you know, Star Wars Risk, while good, and we enjoyed it here at RDTN, it, it didn't have all that feel of Queen's Gambit. So but that's okay. I'm happy with what you picked. Stop thieves. Right, I'm good with that, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He he has been so giddy, and you've got that, and you've got a, a, a couple other uh, games coming up. I do question how do you get the licenses to be able to do these things. Each game is different, um, and it's interesting. So the the three games that we're looking to do, they're all be releasing at Gen Con. So we're doing a Kickstarter for Stop Thief. The other two are going straight to retail, uh, and we're releasing all three at Gen Con. So we have Stop Thief. Uh, we have uh, Indulgence, which is a redesign of 1982's uh, Dragon Master, trick-taking game. And then uh, Downforce, which is a redesign of a number of things, including Top Race and Daytona 500. Um, and like I said, each one's different, and we had to approach each one differently. And every game we look at is a little bit different. Um, one of the interesting things about doing this approach with these sorts of games is they're so old that the rights can often be really murky. Figuring and sometimes the designers have either passed on or we can't find them, things like that. So Stop Thief was an interesting one because I actually had my private investigator track down a phone number for Dr. Robert Doyle, who invented the game. Wow. And I on a whim, I just tried called him up. And he is one of the nicest people you will ever meet. Very nice gentleman. And he was really excited about the idea. So we started, we always start with the designer, Um, you know, and even if legally, maybe the designer doesn't have anything, they don't actually own anything at that point. We always start there because we want to do right by them. Well, let's not gloss over the fact that Justin just said he has his own PI. (laughs) Well, of course he does. He does stop thief and it's all about private (laughs) investigators. Come on, Marty, pay attention to the man. Holy cow. That is very thematic, I must say. Well, that is so freaking cool. I have to admit that's uh, for the for the law firm side of things. I have the PI. <laughs> You're only doing this one for Stop Thief Kickstarter, and the other ones are coming straight out. Now, one another question I need to ask you here. Since you start with the designers, okay, do you know the name Jim Kiefer? 
Okay. Not that I recall. Well, that's okay. We'll let you get, we'll give you a pass on that as long as you bring back to market Restoration 1986 Thunder Road. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, yes. Uh, I, I didn't recognize the name, but yeah. Okay, so here's the thing. <laughs> we Our top three by far requests are Dark Tower. Yes. Fireball Island. Yes. And Thunder Road. Yep. <laughs> That would be the, if you were to say, Marty, what are the top three? It would have been those three, I would have said. We get those a lot. And I can't, so here's what my answer for anyone when they ask about any game, but especially those three, is I can neither confirm nor deny. Marty, that chill just went down my back. (laughs) That's pretty neat that those are the top three. And now with the app, I mean, think about Dark Tower and the app, and you've got that, which leads me to other questions about Stop Thief, but that's pretty neat. Yeah, I mean, we would be excited by any of those. I'll say this, a lot of these do take a lot long time to sort of nail down and get everything sorted, dot all the I's, cross all the T's, all that stuff. Some stuff is just impossible, frankly. And then some stuff we work really hard on. Stop Thief actually ended up taking quite a bit of time to to nail down. And uh, so that's why I really, until the, you know, everything's squared away, I can't really, you know, promise anything because you never know what's going to happen. Now, when y'all redesigned Stop Thief and the app, uh, you know, I've mentioned this on the show a couple of times, but, you know, you have the various levels and things like that. Some of the questions we've been getting is replayability of it. You know, will it be able, could you release like other rules or more missions or things like that for Stop Thief? I mean, this game is right for, um, right, not ripe for expansion. I agree 100%. Um, we've actually got some really neat ideas on that front. And one of the things we wanted to do with Stop Thief is, and one of the reasons we did the Kickstarter for that, and one of the reasons we worked hard to get the, rights to the name Stop Thief rather than the other two we had we ended up redesigning and changing the names or whatever is because we sort of see this product as a potential cornerstone for the company and we've got some ideas for expansions and new uh, new things to increase replayability and different play modes and all kinds of things uh even some other new IPs to put on it some you know uh, media IPs that we can add to the Stop Thief engine so yeah we're we're on the same page on that one another question on Stop Thief, what made y'all say, let's get rid of the dice and go with the cards? I love the cards of being able to move the private investigators. I like that playability in it versus just the random chance of dice. Rob just said, I'm going to do this. Or did you look at Rob and say, crash the dice, let's go with card? Well, who, who came up with that? Uh, well, unsurprisingly, Rob had this idea. Uh, he's, he's great at that sort of stuff. Um, and it was an idea that he had from the beginning to replace with these, these movement decks. And then one of the things that we did right away was the um, I'm totally blank on the name of the cards in the original one where the, all the special effects cards sleuth cards uh, we sort of incorporated those into the movement decks and then it was my idea down the road to make all the decks asymmetrical and give each investigator sort of their own unique ability and that part was uh, I think a nice fit too because one of the things we can do is add new investigators and things like that with different abilities. So, what I love what you're doing with the game is you're taking a game that uh, you know is decades old, and and if you were to pull out the original and play it, it would might feel you know dated. Uh, but what you guys have done is is really amped it up and bring it more up to date to standards that gamers are kind of expecting in a game, and I think that's really exciting. Yeah, that's really what we try and do. That's that's our whole goal is to capture the things that everyone loves about those old games but in a way that they're modern enough that they can enjoy playing them as an actual game. So they can relive that nostalgia just by playing a fun game anyway. 
you also, Justin, didn't you not dabble in? Did you not, sir? Say, hey, I'm being a lawyer, Marty. Did you not, yeah. sir? Yeah. Dabble in some <laughs> RPG stuff? Oh, yes. Um, and in fact, uh, I did a lot of that stuff back. This was uh, third edition. Uh, that's how I started, got uh, involved in self-publishing under the name of Blue Devil Games. So, <laughs> and uh, I did some D20 supplements for Dungeons and Dragons, did a lot of that. I did some uh, science fiction uh, setting, campaign setting stuff. And that was sort of where I got, I mean, that, that's funny, that 2004 uh, game design award is, is kind of a joke. I did legit win it. It was kind of an odd thing, but I'd always worked on RPGs. But I think designing for RPGs, particularly for D20, sort of helped me as a game designer for board games, too. Well, Justin, we don't want to take way too much of your time. We want you to come back, so if we could drown on and on and on, you'll probably say, I never want to talk to those guys again. Is there anything you can drop at Rolling Dice and Taking Name to, to entice the people besides what you've already announced, or do we have a lot more coming? What, what's, what's in the future? We assume something's in the hopper. You might not be able to say, but can you let us know, hey, keep an eye out soon because that will stuff will be revealed yes so first things first we we do have uh two big announcements we'll be making at dice tower live at gen con this year i'm actually also do legal work for tom vassal of the dice tower so he's down in my neck of the woods and uh he's a, a good friend of mine we've, we've uh he's helped me out and i like to help him out so i, I figured i'd we'd make these big announcements um on the dice tower live show at gen con we did. I, it's funny. I, w- I was at uh, Gamma Trade Show just uh, last week, and I have a contract that I had actually been working on for months, and I actually got it signed right there at the show. <laughs> now, this is a much smaller announcement. It's an announcement. We'll take anything, man. Throw us a bone. This is, I will say this. So this, <laughs> this is my, my personal, personal pet project. So when we, when we started, Rob, De- Daytona 500 was sort of Rob's pet project. And it turned out to be a great one. It turned into a great game uh, downforce that's where it's coming out. But my pet project is a little more obscure. Uh, I, I don't want to reveal anything yet because uh, we're not ready to actually do anything with the announcement yet. Uh, all I can say is it is uh, an old game that I played the heck out of when I was a kid. And I couldn't be more excited to bring it back. So I'll just leave it at that. But soon, Tony, you heard, Tony, you heard it here. Candyland is coming back. Oh, I, I'm very excited about. It. Actually, what was that game you like so much? Chopper Hunter. What was it? Chopper Strike. Chopper Strike. There you go. Is that the one with the two level? That's it. it yeah, the, 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 the clear plexiglass, and you put your helicopters on top. I love that game. That was a great oh, one. Yeah. That, that should put a chill down your spine, Marty. It does. That that was one of my first war games I ever played, and it really. It really captured the essence because you had the the level where the helicopters could go over terrain that the tanks couldn't. It was just very, very well done. Yeah. Justin, we thank you so much for coming on to the show, and you are welcome back anytime. Justin, before you go, where can people find you? Sure. We're at uh, restorationgames.com. Pretty straightforward. On Twitter, which I'm pretty active on, we are at restorationgame. Leave off the extra S because Twitter has a character limit. And... uh, then we're also, obviously, the Kickstarter is going right now, so you can search on Kickstarter, uh, Stop Thief, pretty easy to find, and uh, it's running till about April 11th. I will mention one other thing. We have one very special tier. Um, it's a limited edition, only 20 copies. We're, we, Dr. Doyle, like I said, one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet, happens to live fairly close to Rob, so this all worked out perfectly. 
We're going to grab 20 copies of the game, drive over to Dr. Doyle's place, and have Rob Davio and Dr. Robert Doyle, the original inventor of Stop Thief, both sign and personalize the games. And since I'm a lawyer, I'm also a notary. I'm going to do a notarized certificate of authenticity, limited numbered edition. Um, so this is really kind of a once-in-a-lifetime artifact that you'll get. And we actually throw in an extra copy of the game that you'll, you won't mind playing with. So Wow. That is really, really cool. Now, I should, Dr. Doyle not only invented Stop Thief, but he also did Electronic Battleship, Code Sector 777, and uh-huh. um, a bunch of other games. He also helped invent podcasting. Uh, he was one of the first people to participate and set up the first podcast. So that might be relevant to your interests. <laughs> wow, that is that is really cool. So, wow, that, that's a, that's a Tears Game Reopen open up. So everybody keep an eye out for that. We do know that all three games that have been announced by Restoration will be available at Gen Con. And I have a feeling, Tony, that uh, Stop Thief may be one of those that goes really quick at Gen Con. Because uh, I assume that the Kickstarter kickers, uh, Kickstarter kickers, that's good, Marty. Kickstarter backers will get theirs before Gen Con? That's the plan. Um, I'll say this. They're in production now, so we're not... Uh, uh, we didn't want to wait to start production until after the Kickstarter, so they're actually with the per- manufacturer right now, and everything's scheduled for uh, Gen Con release and for them to hit fulfillment uh, prior to Gen Con and then uh, retail and get into distribution immediately thereafter. Fantastic. So once everybody sees those copies come in, that's what I mean by it'll be really popular Gen Con plus the other two games. So we can't wait to see what else you have coming out. Now we're going to be on pins and needles to hear about your announcement at Gen Con to see what's coming. We know what the top three are. Hopefully it's one or two of those. Justin, thank you again so much for coming on, and we'd love to have you on again in the future. Thanks. Well, look at there, Tony. You finally got a really good song title that fit. We talked about a couple thieves. We had Stop Thief and the thief that is used in Vast. I know. Amazing. Sometimes they work. Sometimes they don't. Blind Squirrel, dude. Blind Squirrel. Wow. What a great show. We got a lot of great information from Justin. Vast is one of those games I think everybody needs to go check out. You need to go check out the new Aztecs factions, all this gambling news that we got to talk about, and still we're trying to avoid the Kickstarters as best as we can, but there's just so much good stuff on there. I know. Can't stand it. Uh, uh, we need a break. We really do. Let's just let's just go. You know what? My daughter, she gave up for so, uh, social media for Lent. She said, I'm not doing it. I think next year, what we should do is give up board gaming for Lent. Non-denominational people don't do Lent, or I don't do Lent. I don't either, but that's... <laughs> <laughs> what can I... Okay, so that's a bad idea, and I'm okay with that, because you know what? I really didn't want to give up board games. <laughs> well, good, because you don't have to, because once again, we have a stack of games that we want to cover, and again, you can go out to our website and go to our poll where we ask you... What do you want us to review next? We did the number one on the list fast. What's going to be number two? You let us know. Yeah, we'll go through that real quick. But Marty. Yes. We are one month away from International Tabletop Day. That is just around the corner. Corner? That is just around the corner. That's around it is. You know, that. <laughs> Kelsey's Crick, Kelsey's Ocean, Kelsey's Sea. That's from Andy Griffith. That's a good game. That'd be an awesome game. Just an Andy Griffith. Somebody can actually do a cool Andy Griffith game. Um, okay. Uh, you, why don't you remember that? Why don't you contact Restoration Games? Maybe they can do Restoration TV shows. Before we get out of here, there's one thing I want to bring to your attention. I don't know if you know this. I probably don't. Okay. It's tax season here in the U.S. 
So people are having to get their taxes ready to go and they're doing deductions and everything. When you do charitable contributions, you can decrease your income by taking credit for those charitable contributions, right? Correct. Well, the IRS gives you charitable contribution credits for donating board games. Really? And where would you donate these to? I guess anywhere, libraries or anything? Anywhere. You just just assign some value to it? No, because there's an assigned value to it. And this is the whole punchline that it took me forever to build up to. Yes. Are you ready for it? I'm ready for it. I'm I'm here with bated breath. Okay. So a board game in great condition is worth $8. That's it. But a dice game is A board game is worth eight bucks. Yeah, that's what you get to, to take credit for. $8. $8. For every board game, you get $8 towards reducing your charitable your charitable contributions doing your income, man. Do, are you not following? Do you not do your own taxes? I don't, but... No, I don't either. But I, if, I'm, if I give away StarCraft, it's worth more than $8. I'm going to get more credit than that. No, you're not. Not according to the IRS. So you better... So giving away it to Goodwill... They may pay only $2 for it in the store, but you're getting an $8 credit. Think about that. <laughs> Is that why there's like 15,000 copies of seen it in Goodwill? Yeah, pretty much. But this was the point I was trying to make is... Oh, we're not to the point yet. Okay, go ahead. Okay. Dice games are worth $9. <laughs> what happens if a board game has dice in it? I'd call it a dice game and get that extra dollar credit. Well, I think I would too. So that doesn't matter where you do not donate it, huh? Just if it has some dice in it, nine bucks, eh? Did we go to Canada? Eh? Eh? Anyway, yeah, that's just it. I was amazed at that when I was filling that out. I was like, really? And I wanted to point that out to you once again. Dice. They make things better. (laughs) At least one buck better. Well, I do know this. What's that? We're going to keep rolling dice. (laughs) And taking names. Thanks for listening. Keep those iTunes reviews coming. We love them. If you want to, follow us on Twitter at Dyson Names. On Instagram, Dyson Names. Join our BGG Guild 1589 and like us on Facebook. Three, two, one. You just heard the theme music. That must mean it's yet another episode of Rolling Dice and Taking Names. This is episode 114. My name is Marty. It's episode 115. In three, two, one. I don't know. He's moving. Hold on. To- Phone, phone's ringing. Yeah, I know. It's, it's always at eight o'clock. Always. This is classic. It's a telemarketer. They call at 8 o'clock. They know when I'm recording. (laughs) You're trying to do various things by going out there and using certain ingredients, okay? Like, you're going to... Another phone's ringing. (laughs) My cell phone's ringing. Uh, That's too funny. What the hell? (laughs) Okay, people, if you haven't been to the funagain.com website, you are missing out on a couple things. First off, pre-orders for that new game that took Kickstarter by storm, Plague Incorporated. You're playing it on your phone. I know you are, or you were, before you had to delete it to make room for another 
iOS or Android app, but also they are hosting a $500 shopping spree for Druid City Games. That's right, guys. Go out there, click on it, and they can tell you all about how to get entered into that shopping spree. Now, Druid City Games, I know this is for fun again, they have the Kickstarter for Grim Forest. So be sure, click on it, you'll go over to Druid City Games. Once again, funagain.com for all your board gaming needs, and be sure to check out the pre-orders because they are coming a ton at this time. 